0: Okay, I want to talk about a book called uh, Investment Biker by Jim Rogers. Jim Rogers said in 1990s, most of the money was, he had most of his money in utility stocks, U.S. government bonds, and foreign currencies. Okay, he's going to give the reason why. Roger owned utility stocks, particularly nuclear power for companies like Illinois Power and Niagara Mohawk, which were distressed. I thought U.S. interest rates were heading south, so I was bullish optimistic on bonds and bearish pessimistic on dollar. That is, I expected the price of bonds to rise and that of the dollar to fall. I figured politicians would do everything to keep the economy going. They aren't that smart. All they really know how to do is cut interest rates. I bought foreign currencies mainly certificates of deposit denominated in guilders or deutschmarks reasoning that the dollar would go down as politicians cut rates. Okay, today we've had since 2011 we've had over a decade of interest rates cuts and in order to keep the economy going and so what we have as a result of those lower interest rates we had a real estate boom. Today we have a series of Fed interest rates increases. We'll have rising interest rates. We have, as the bonds are being sold off, yields will increase, so uh, the dollar will gain strength against other currencies so we can buy more in terms of the strength of the dollar However, as the interest rates rise, the economy slows down. We have less inflation, and the demand for current currency uh, decreases. So credit de- decreases. So there is a more availability of credit uh, because less companies are borrowing as the um, interest rates get higher. So there is a tighter Credit um, qualification amount, but there's so there's more credit available, but it's at a t- higher cost. Is what I'm saying. And so, in 2008, dollar demise caused exports to increase, unemployment to drop, bond yields to drop, prices to increase, GDP to rise, consumption to drop, investment to decrease, real wages to drop, and credit to get tight. So we could see in, in 2008 that pattern when we had the subprime meltdown, these, this was what was happening. However, today we'll see because the dollar getting stronger, we'll want, Americans will want to buy more uh, because they can buy more because the dollar strengthens against other currencies in the exchange for products and goods. However, as interest rates climb, there is a higher level of unemployment. So the rich can buy more in terms of commodities and resources. However, the middle class and the poor will be able to buy less. And because they have less uh, disposable income. And as bond yields increase, then there would be um, more of a a demand. The IOUs for government will have to pay higher premiums or interest rates for that debt. And so that takes out money from the system for the marketplace and now money is being diverted to the government for government programs. So you'll see more socialization, socialism and more government programs as a result of those higher interest rates or yields on those bonds. So consumption, in part, will increase because of a stronger dollar, but at the same time, our exports will decrease and um and as the dollar gets stronger, we have more investment that's occurring, and we're but we're investing in other countries. So hot money is flowing out of the U.S. into other countries, and um, countries are looking at that dollar to buy because it's considered like a commodity, an asset. And as that asset appreciates in value, it gets more expensive to buy. Um, so those who are holding investments on dollars are are holding on longer rather than selling them off he stated that the us economy is strong enough to continue climbing for the next 60 years without disruption from the business cycles and if that was written in 2008 then it, we should have had at least to 2050 strong u uh, s strong economy, and so the only way for that level of wealth to have been disrupted is through political uh intervention and war. Those are the two things that, that really destroy economies when they're when they're healthy, like the u s economy and so um, it it becomes kind of surprising that we're entering into this period where uh, there's a lot of economic uncertainty. Commodities will continue to be a profitable sector for the rich, and commodity indexes supposing commodity boards can remain solvent and stable. Current exchange controls the Soviet Union's exchange rate for travelers was 6 rubles per dollar. On the black market, I got 12 and 18 rubles, whereas today you might get 100 times that. For this reason, Rogers carried a few traveler checks and a healthy sum of cash while traveling through Turkestan georgia stalin had been given um, georgia georgian georgia has always been a trade nation and crossroads jim saw similarities between georgia and texas new mexico and california all these parts of the united states become latino and as the united states begins to suffer it's an inevitable economic decline i wonder if we won't see the same things ethnic strike and the drive for separatism, either a desire to rejoin Mexico or be independent, Georgia has always been a merchant area and of bent capitalism bent yeah, that's interesting that he pointed that out so early about um Texas, and it's you know you hear some of that talk about separatism in it's desire to be independent. He says of Baku. Baku is a major center of oil production. All around the road lay rust pi- rusted pipes, drill rigs, idle, unmaintained, cluttered junk heap. No wonder Soviet Union oil production was down. Communism fails because managers work to meet quotas. not incentive, No incentives, no accountability, skimming oil from the top and running. No private uh, property ownership. On of the reasons Soviets never built their capital base because they never built their capital. Riding along the Caspian Sea, we saw hundreds of these discarded drilling rigs all stripped. And that's one of the big problems of centralized planning is that they cannot build for the future long-term. And so they, they took the short-term profits and then uh, abandon those resources and, and, and abandon management of those resources for long-term profits. Okay, now I've thought about this about Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan has to be one of the targets that Russia is trying to acquire and in, in the battle in Ukraine. Kyrgyzstan had become a gigantic farmland a desert that had bloomed into a vast arable tracts. It had become 40% Russian, two-thirds of the water provided from the aerial sea, heavy salinization, high rates of birth defects, and infant infant mortality, and a 30-mile coastline. The Russians had thought they could use the water to turn the area into a cotton plantation, but They had treated the land the way they treated oil fields we had passed. They stripped it and moved on. In communism, you can ruin a resource without anyone saying halt. On the other hand, China in the 70s admitted it ways were not working and deregulated agriculture to the peasants, allowing farmers to lease land for a long time and in some places buy it. The government allowed the farmers to sell crops that they were they could sell for a profit on the world market. The farmers went wild. Every field was planted and cultivated with items being reused and no waste. The farmers didn't strip the land, and China became a agricultural exporting country. Um, Smarkland, the most prosperous city in Nabaku. The centerpiece of the city's ancient splendor is Registan, an assembly of three Madaras or Islamic schools under the corner domes of the Yulgbek Madrasa, completed in 1420 were lecture halls and in its rear was a mosque. The Tiger Madrasa flouted the Islamic injunction against the showing pictures of live animals by boldly displaying glorious tile work devoted to its namesake. Sa- saw Makarlan was like Ta-Mahal in that way. It's not even more extraordinary. We discovered that 40 mosques had been opened in Uzbekistan alone in 1989, and at least one was being built. Every town we passed through, Ashkabad. Muslims. The Muslims were always trying to come into Europe through... Austria through Hungary through Spain the Christians beat them back several times during the centuries of the Dark Ages in Europe the Muslims were much more dynamic than the Christians they expanded geographically spreading their culture and religion from the Atlantic to the Pacific all the Muslims are resurgent not so much because they want to be Islamic but because they need a vehicle to help them get more if people are prosperous they tend not to fight what they reached out for is Islam, the only unifying thread they have to help them achieve their prosperity and identity. That's an interesting comment that Rogers made about um, the spread of Muslim is that their their goal is actually prosperity and identity. Um, Soviet Union. The Soviet Union is actually heading towards a system that can resemble feudalism. Okay, so if we look at what Putin's doing today, he does look like he is a feudalist lord trying to expand economically, politically, militarily, and socially. Um, So they said the Soviet Union is actually heading towards a system that resembles feudalism. The economic, political and social system of the medieval Europe after the breakup of the Roman Empire in which they were innumerable and ever-changing fiefdoms. China. By the early 1990s, China's harsh new uh, monetary policy began to cause hard times. Several months later, people surged in Tenement Square to complain about the tight money, like successful entrepreneurs in many parts of the world, Chinese entrepreneurs are bringing every scrap of energy, money, technology they can marshal into their business." You know, Rogers loves China. He believes that uh, that there are some of the best entrepreneurs in the world are in China and that they're anxious to, uh, to grow their businesses and to bring their products and goods and services to the world. Um, Currency valuation, if the rate on the black market is five and half zealots, zealots to the dollar compared with the state bank's rates of five, then things might not be so bad. But if it is 10 or 15 to the dollar, then I know the country is in terrible shape with maybe the collapse of the government or hyperinflation on the horizon. During the visit, Jim's first visit to China, he paid uh, Remy, for a dollar, a 50% premium, and by the 1990s, their premium had dropped to 35%. The Chinese wanted out of their currency less, so he was he was seeing that um, currencies were getting stronger in China.